acknowledge um, to an acknowledgement of country. And usually um, for me doing an acknowledgement of country, I really like to think about what I'm doing and where I am and you know what context I'm doing it in. But I read Pauline Blind's acknowledgement of country and I thought it was a really powerful statement. And so I'm going to read it to you. And I am going to read it to you, but I really want to, um, you to think about the words that I talk about, um, the things that it talks about in terms of past and present and future, and think about you know, where we are and where, where we're standing and what was happening here ten, tens of thousands of years ago. So, I would like to acknowledge the first peoples of this land from whose wisdom and generosity we are constantly learning. Where we are and the history that precedes us informs how we work and how we move forward. So I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we are gathered the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and their elders, past, present, and emerging. So, today we're talking about um, producing models and independent produce, fellow independent producers. And I think, you know, we're going to kind of look at a couple of different models and we're going to have pretty open conversations. Quite a lot of people here, which is really excellent. Um, and we'll kind of weave a conversation around both things that are kind of macro up here and then really tangible outcomes that we can work towards, which I think are really interesting. Um, also, I think that just to start off, just to start, oh, before we start. Just boring stuff. Housekeeping. Just that the, the toilets are downstairs and down the corridor. And just also, um, we're really trying to <coughs> practice a, an inclusive way of being in the hub here. So we want to encourage people Thomas Ford. I'm a DJ music comparison is now building. I uh, <laughs> I'm 
co-producer and the Art Fan Venue producer. I'm Phoebe, I'm an innovator of the Company. I'm the director of the former. Hello, I'm Ariana. I've been a creative producer, uh, I've coordinated production, and I'm a community arts worker. Hi, I'm Laura. Uh, I'm a theatre maker. I wrapped burgers and I stripped gelato. I'm Rita. I am a contemporary dancer. Um, I've been a tour coordinator and um, producer for small contemporary arts. Hi, I'm Mel. Um, I've been a freelance writer. I've been a program manager for the Blue Room and I've been an artistic director at Perth Theatre Company. Uh, Kaya, I've been a uh, videographer for weddings. Um, <laughs> I've been a door-to-door salesman for the ill-fated OneTel company. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Um, and uh, currently I'm a scent costume designer. Who are you? What is your name? <laughs> oh, Brian, sorry. <laughs> 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 I mean that. Produced a lot and um, also done roles within organisations in education as well. G'day, I'm Bruce. Um, originally thought you were Sparky, working, <laughs> <laughs> working rem remote area off, off grid systems, and now just another dodgy actor come director. <laughs> oh, hello, I'm Adriano. I am a freelance actor. I've been a Captain Starlight. Yeah. And also the artist liaison for Perth Festival under the wonderful Jess Darlow, who you meet in a moment. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a performance maker, but I've also been a stage manager, a teaching artist. Hi, I'm Simone. I've been a performer um, and a producer at Dada and um, manager of diversity and inclusion manager at Spring West, and now I'm an independent. I'm Ella, um, I'm a, hello, <laughs> I'm currently a theatre major but I've also been a double bass player and a hula hooper. Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sean, um, I am the producer at Barking Gecko, I've previously been the creative producer at The Last Great Hunt and I've also been a performer for a lot of fun. Um, I'm Jess Darlow, I'm the program manager
man. Hi,
the same predecessor in its own right. Um, and another uh, teaching circus, I call me Bill Circus, so lovely. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Steph Nichols. I'm an oboist and I'm with an emerging group, Wind Quintet Plus. Um, I'm also, um, I do a lot of musical directing for music theatre and I'm a collaborative pianist. I'm Ellis. I am a theatre maker.
um, single-led artistic vision major companies who are funded year-round and they have often a single artistic uh, director who determines the programming of that, uh, that year. Uh, we have performing lines which put on um, independently produced uh, works. And then we have venues like uh, the Blue Room who are putting on works day in day out. Um, and then we have people at the Perth Festival who will commission an independent artist, you know, let's make the work together and we'll pay for it. Um, and then there are potentially, you know, starting to see a little bit more venues doing that and certainly, you know, places like Bunbury are kind of starting to get into that world of commissioning and that sort of thing. So that's a kind of, for me, that's the sort of ecosystem in which we're existing, if that's fair to say. Rather than an ecology that has was probably created 
I don't know, this is not to be fact, this is not true, but something around this, you know, it was created in the 70s, it was kind of these models of theatre companies that were created, that were created because of funding structures and were kind of very much led, and dare I say it, you know, fairly patriarchal, fairly colonist, you know, with a single lead, you know, pyramid up here who decides on all art that gets made in that company. So, good, we're going to do a few structural things as well. <laughs> Great. So, um, so there's a couple of models I thought we would talk about um, and just sort of interrogate a little bit and then we'll kind of, there's a few people in here who I'm going to throw to to talk about some of the work that they're already doing because I think that's really interesting and it's already been tested. So the, um, I'm going to throw, I'm sorry Eleanor, I'm going to throw straight to you. Well I just think you're, if, so Eleanor is sitting here with us today and she has um, uh, put together a program um, for emerging producers that is currently running at the moment uh, because she identified a need specifically in Yuriyakin but also across the whole of the ecology to have um, emerging producers, First Nations emerging producers. And that program is current, has currently started and is running. So it's a really interesting model. There's, I think, I think we can, if, I think it'd be useful really to talk about the model and the nuts and bolts of that sort of, because we are gonna have to talk about practicals, I'm sorry, but if we're gonna be talking about grants and all the kind of nuts and bolts of it, as well as the kind of dreamy stuff. So Eleanor, do you wanna just tell us what you do for the emerging, like, tell us a bit about it. Um, so, uh, halfway through last year, so I'm quite fella at the largest indigenous author's nation theatre company, one of the largest in Australia, and at some point I will have to leave, and will want to leave, and I cannot have another white person going to my role, for some reason. And so, we realised, unfortunately, there is a huge gap in the sector where about 10 years ago, there was um, a program that came through to the Australian Council for uh, First Nations Emerging Arts Leaders. Um, and then, and so Ali uh, Evelyn and um, other arts leaders around the country came out of that program. But since then, nothing has happened. And nothing was really happening on a sector level, either state or federal, or through our education institutions. So our artistic director, um, Eva, and myself decided to create a program to try and at least at a West Australian level to try and rectify, start some rectification of that. Um, so essentially we have to get funding, I'm trying to speak practically, um, because we, even though we are core funded, we don't have capacity to bring on more people. So we've got um, State and ILAP, which is Indigenous Languages and Arts Federal Funding, um, to bring through in the first sort of eight months, try and train First Nations producers, not just at Uriarkin, but also at other companies um, within Perth um, and Western Australia as well. We are trying to look at both regional and metro-based producers. Um, so, so far, Bobby and Janine Oxenham, who is also part of the Womanized program, have been coming through the program. Um, and we are hoping to open that up in the next sort of six months. We've had to apply for an extension of funding. Um, and so Bobby and Janine each come in with me one day a week. Um, Janine is based in Buzzington, so she'll uh, zoom in usually. Um, and 
and we identified like certain program projects to help sort of
Massachusetts Mentorship Program. So that's for, I suspect, people who are less experienced. And it's a 12-month program. It's, just, there's a, it's paid two days a week. Um, you're an employee here at Theatre Network Australia. And it's a, it's a structured program of uh, professional development and learnings and masterclasses and all of that sort of thing, um, as well as being able to work on your own current projects. The second element of the Creative Victorian uh, Producers Program, Independent Producers Program, is the Unlocking Capacity Grant. And so that's for uh, people who have two to three years, um, no, around five years of independent producing experience. And that is they provide um, up to $35,000 a year over two to three years. It's a multi-year grant. So it's not connected to um, Theatre Network Australia, even though they auspice it. And they, they need to spend about 50% of their time with independent producing. So that's really interesting, um, these kind of two different types of frameworks. Does that make sense? So one is a kind of you're part of a cohort and you go through a quite a structured program. The other one, you're much more independent. You get a wage to keep working um, and it's a multi-year, so it's over two to three years. And you get 35k a year, but you, and you can apply for like two years in. Yeah, it's multi, so you get two to three years, guaranteed. Um, and then the third one, which is kind of also interesting, which is sort of like what we're doing right now, in some ways, as part of the Creative Hub, is called the Salon Series. So the mentor, mentorship program, which is a kind of 12-month structured program, um, some of those classes, some of those conversations get open to the to other people who aren't necessarily within the program, but are practicing independent producers. So that's kind of really interesting as well about the kind of, and they call it the Salon Series, which I think is an excellent title. So they're kind of little ways that, that's how Creative Victoria have as a structure of um, supporting independent producers and supporting capacity building, um, while not support, while not, um, I suppose, you know, which is directly for the independent producer's wage, not necessarily for uh, a project specific, which is where I think it's really interesting when we start looking at pro the way that the ecosystem works, the way, and I use the term projects just to cover all kind of art making, but the way that pro the way that we work on projects, the kind of transient nature of it, the kind of flexibility that we need um, to work on those sorts of projects, the way people come together and leave come together and leave. I think they're all really interesting ways and important ways of working artistically that aren't necessarily being responded to in the current um, major performing arts organisations. And I'm looking at you about Last Great Hunt is of course a very different structure of working in terms of creative developments and artists. Yes.
structure of a kind of career path that doesn't, and you know, it's a, uh, I'll get political for a moment, but of course it's Yuri Yakin, the one who are carrying weight as, you know, as the Aboriginal theatre company carrying the weight. So there was a huge conversation around this for me. They've done some research and pulled the data and a, a lot of people who work in forming arts in the Indigenous sector, sector realise that there's really a need for yeah. producers, so then that's how the ARC gave funding and that's how the program got started. But there was a lot of research into it before we actually got the knowledge. Yeah. Mm. There did used to be a more formalised mentorship program called JUMP, I think. Mm. So it was like a, there was a kind of national program that students could apply for as a, as a, as a practice. It wasn't specifically targeted, but that's kind of one of the only real mentorship mm. And I think that that was for emerging
you've got the production side and the what is called diffusion, which is an old English word, so like selling the food to veggies.
companies have actually been, have worked with us in becoming their own organisations. But I think that one of the issues at the moment is that we are still a tiny organisation um, with 2.8 people in it. And we also have a curatorial direction and we get approached so much by excellent artists. A, we can't do all that because we just don't, can't physically, but also to be, um, maybe it doesn't fit with our curatorial vision. However, that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be being produced because each, each, you know, we all have to be, we all have to be producing work in different ways and different work because there are different audiences. But like, what is the mechanism to, to be able to support people like, you know, Rachel Ogle, who is a, a contemporary choreographer who, who wants to self-produce, but actually, you know, uh, <laughs> 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 or Libby Klotz, who actually is, she is an independent producer who's producing different people's work and touring that work now, or Erin, who's like a, a, an emerging independent producer. What What is going to happen to those people who are actually making work happen and bringing it to an audience? Um, because oftentimes what we've seen is that everyone just goes too hard, I'm going to go get a job yeah. in an organisation because I just can't actually do that anymore. And that that's not to say that we shouldn't, you know, it's, it's we should only be paying producers and not artists, but it's like it's like it's linked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how can what are there some different models and what do people need to be able to actually sustain that kind of or Mel or Mel should like Mel's producing quite big work, you know, getting big what he grants for hundred thousand dollars, but still having to do that all by herself um, without any kind of credits like you talked about. So are there different ways that we could be provocating for some different models to enable different work to be up that still fits with everything else that's happening? So it's a great provocation for the group actually to like
producing this scene as a much more integrated part of the creative process so that people who have creative passion feel much more engaged with the creation of works as well, rather than just doing the grant writing and the venue booking. And that's a different sort of way of looking at the role of a producer, potentially. Do you think that's about skilling up? Do you think that's about skills, or do you think... I think it's a shift of attitude. Yeah. I think it's how you partner with a producer, rather than going to a producer and saying, can you read my grant for me? If the producer is in on the conversation with the creative ideas, with the way that this could work, with where this would best be produced, yeah. and there is much more of that partnership going on. And I presume some people may be doing that already. Yeah. I don't know, I hope so. But otherwise, it's just the producer is the necessary yeah. task. It's the Model 
can be a bit restricting for us in terms of building a business. Uh, I already had a successful production business, but I was like, oh no, I don't need time. I can't now outsource some of these tasks and make outsourcing suspicious and I lost control of my money or like they, they, they kind of they're great if you want to like be an artist, put on a show and not be a producer. Yeah. Like and you're just trying to hammer through, but like if we're actually trying to develop a use of that model might not be perfect for us. I did have a conversation a couple of weeks ago with um a random friend in Glasgow who runs uh, an entrepreneur centre there. Uh, and she has adapted like a basic MBA program uh, for like two artists in terms of artistic development. I'm trying to get some more stories, some more information yeah. on that. But like that was a really interesting yeah. process, I thought. Any of the work, but more just be like a 
builds autonomy. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and it's just like, I don't want, I, performing life has, we have a way of working. But that doesn't mean it's the only way of working. Like, you can do things in a different way. Sorry, Yeah, I just want to clarify. So, sorry, so when you said, like, having kind of like, um, I think understanding is not the right term, but in terms of having, sorry? Yeah, having an intern or having kind of like a trainee who's not contracted to the company working for the company, but is kind of under the roof. No, so you're not working for the company. So it's like, yeah. if they're not there, they're they, they, this is, they would be, this, this again yeah. is just like a thought bubble. No, no, of course. Um, an auspicing umbrella. Yeah. Um, that would support that artist. So that all of your finances, in the same way, was just like, from my understanding as an independent artist, it's actually really awesome when someone is covering all of your insurances and paying all of your superannuation and all of that if your stuff's coming through the books. That's like a massive win for the artist that we work with. But then by being situated potentially within that office, yeah. at least sometimes, that you could access at points some different skills development. Clarify. Like, it would be less. Just want to say it's not a formulated. No, 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 because I'm like I'm also trying to like understand. I think based on some of the conversations, it's like we need a producer. It's a necessary tool, if you will. I don't want to say evil, but it's a necessary thing. Like the Kenya. Yeah, no, of course. Some people are kind of like kind of like it's falling on me, or we need like we need a service, or we need a person. So I one was curious because. Many things, and, and it's kind of like, <clears throat> are we 
That's what I mean. So that construct could be partial um, auspicing, and but it might be moving around. Is a hothouse an organisation, or is a hothouse a kind of new model? It would be. It could be a model. That yeah. So that's which I think is a really. So that's a kind of we. Which yeah, is so sort of similar to what I'm talking it's about. It's sort of similar. Yeah. So what we kind of, because we were kind of circling around it, so the one, the quicker version would be to do it within or embed it or immerse in within organisations, but then there's this other thing about this sort of idea of a, almost like a co-working space where you have people who are independent producers or all working, it's almost bricks and mortar who are all working outside of the same, within the same space, so they're sort of supporting each other but then they're also kind of using... Going to companies as a way of using... Yeah, as their kind of um, umbrella or not umbrella, like big brother or some terrible <laughs> thing I think of. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that would certainly have to have some serious technology backing, mm. I imagine. It would. Yeah, but I think that mm. it's those, that those worlds that we're getting to, and I think just... Um, the other really interesting narrative that's coming out, well, not strongly, but I think there is a bit of a narrative about um, structure, about not just having these sorts of things that happen, but having a kind of long-term structure across a few years, and it being structured. I, I get a bit nervous around structure because I often think about who's structuring it and how they're structuring it, so that can sometimes be tricky. They talked about in the Creative Victoria it being co-designed, so when, when the cohort get together, they actually co-design, which I think is a really useful thing. And I think Vivian, you know, that's when you really start getting into that mm. um, drilling down with the um, self-producing artist versus a singular producer versus a singular. I get very um, sort of, I don't think there's any singulars in what we work in. We always move, slip and, slip and slide between lots of different roles, regardless of our titles, regardless of who we are. So yeah, I think that's interesting. I don't know much money creating people put into that, like as a, a full amount. No, didn't do that. So. <laughs> um, can I use Steve to know that? So we've got about 10 more minutes, nine more minutes. So quickly, I know Thomas, you've been keen to say something. Yeah, but I just... I was just gonna say There's lots of interesting stuff, uh, and I think uh, Viv kind of makes an interesting point about uh, independent producers in the sense that I mean, my, my background's in the fringe market, and I'm constantly talking to artists and convincing them that they are, have actually developed excellent production and business yep. skills. That, like, mm -hmm. actually through trial and failure, if you see someone that goes to Edinburgh Fringe, like they do it five years in a row, yeah. they, learn, they learn pretty quickly how to be a marketer. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. But, like, uh, it's the lack of support in terms of, like, how do we, how do we get that, 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 that trial and failure, like, more supported? I'm a bit worried about the idea of building an organisation that where I, I would hand over my agency, yeah, and um, a little, and also, also mostly for the reason that even coming out of that process, you wouldn't be self-sufficient.
doing based on their models or you know their templates for how they work. Um, but you're also bringing in your own project, and and you know it's been for a sort of period of time. So once that period of time is, is up, essentially you then continue on, but you receive sort of mentorship, extra training, perhaps you know like templates and formats for organising you know your practice as a producer and systems better. Um, like I think often what happens is um, an independent producer might go into that organisational fold and then not come back out yeah. independently anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's sucked up by the brain Yeah. 
but there's this, you know, what Ella was saying about continuing the producers forum as just a kind of base level to get some really key details in is um, is a really useful thing. I think there is, you know, this idea of um, quick wins, how can we navigate things a bit easier, who are the people we can talk to to get advice from, I think is interesting and, you know, about trying to be more open, I suppose, more approachable and open, I think, if you're in salary positions or if you're in um, a more experienced producer, I think this would be really useful. I think there's a much more kind of structural um, idea about a uh, funded uh, emerging independent producer uh, program that could be delivered, which is about kind of professional development and um, really using the creative control model, which seems to be really great. And then there's a, the other model, which is really trying to continue um, established producers, like whatever the words are, um, who are, need to be supported financially um, to continue the work that they're doing. Um, it's another one. Flexible way of working that will support work. 